Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up this week, the boss of Samsung Ireland will join me to look at the brand new S23 lineup that was unveiled this week. Plus, I'll meet Children's Health Ireland to hear about the tech that will be used inside the new children's hospital, transforming how healthcare is delivered. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But we're going to start this week with Samsung because on Wednesday evening, the company's first in-person launch event took place in San Francisco. They unveiled three phones and four laptops, all sitting under the flagship umbrella. James Kitto is the VP head of MX division at Samsung UK in Ireland, and he joins me now. Uh, James, firstly, you're very welcome to the show. Can you introduce us to the new S23 lineup? Yeah, and thank you for having me. Look, we're absolutely delighted. As you said earlier this week, we brought to market the Galaxy S23. It's the latest iteration of our flagship smartphone range, and we're really, really pleased to be bringing that to the Irish consumers uh, this week. What we have in the S23 um, is not just an an iterative change. We've got a real evolution here when it comes to the offering uh, at this part of uh, our market. We are really listening to the customers around what they want and what they continuously tell us is they're looking for camera technology to really surpass that of what uh, what we've previously offered and indeed what's available on the wider market. So we've listened to that and we are setting a new benchmark when it comes to premium smartphones and particularly with our most advanced camera ever. Uh, We've upgraded the sensor technology in this phone to ensure that we can take photos in brilliantly low light conditions. That's when our customers are telling us they want to take that shot and get it right first time. Imagine down the pub at a festival, at a gig, In those moments, you only have one chance to take a shot and normally the lighting conditions are low. So that's where we really majored our focus with a 200 megapixel sensor on the S23 Ultra that allows you to do just that. Take incredibly detailed shots, but also take incredibly detailed shots in those conditions where you need a camera to really do a great job for you. Yeah, I have the Ultra here in my hand at the moment and I've been playing around with it for the last few days. I have to say one of the things that I loved straight out of the box is the slightly curved screen on the Ultra. It kind of brings brings us back to a few generations ago where all the Samsung phones had that. How does Samsung decide what goes into each model, ensuring that there's, I suppose, something for everybody within the flagship range? Well, of course, uh, and and thank you for saying that. I've been using the Ultra as well for the last few days. Um, I also think it's a beautiful product in the hand. That screen um, and the way that screen folds around the edges of the phone, you know, just really does absolutely ping. It's almost bezel-less entire screen. And of course, Samsung's been known for our screen technology, you know, for many, many years, of course, alongside, you know, delivering brilliant camera tech. But look, we listen to our customers. We, we, We understand what their needs and requirements are. The S23 range is a range of three products, the S23, the S23 Plus, and as you mentioned, the S23 Ultra. These are different size form factors to meet different people's requirements and personal preference. They all have an amazing commitment to camera tech because we know that's the number one purchase driver for customers in Ireland as well as across other European markets. 
And so we focus there, uh, but we also focus on ensuring that what, what customers tell us they also want is a fantastic battery, a battery that is going to last all through the day and well into the next day. Of course, a fantastic screen that you can see those great photos on or watch and consume you know, gaming or you know, movies that you've downloaded. And of course, great audio as well. You want to be able to listen to fantastic music that you've downloaded or indeed you know, get a brilliantly immersive uh, sound when you're watching a movie on the go. So we listen to those uh, that, that feedback from customers and we ensure we deliver them uh, with a real focus on innovation because that is what Samsung is about. We lead with innovation and typically the innovation we bring to market is the kind of innovation that others eventually bring to their portfolio you know, in many instances two or three years later. So innovation leadership is an absolutely core part of our strategy and will we'll really remain so for years to come. Yeah, I want to jump to the cameras in a quick minute, but you, you mentioned the battery life there. I'm a big Samsung fan and I have been for years. It's always been my go-to and my preference when it comes to phones. But I have to be honest, I was quite disappointed with the battery on the S22 last year. I found that it struggled to get me through my work day, never mind a full day. Um, you say that the battery has been enhanced on the new models. Is that software? Is it a bigger battery? What's changed? I think there's a number of factors that go into ultimately what 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 kind of usage anyone gets out of out of that phone one a great battery to start with a really high power battery and as you say on the ultra there we've got a 5000 milliamp battery so so that's the first ingredient secondly I think even more importantly is the processor. What we've put into the latest S23 range is, is a brand new processor architecture. This is a first for us. Um, worldwide, we are using the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Uh, it's quite a mouthful, but what that means is this is a dedicated chipset uh, for the Galaxy customer. It's been honed and refined uh, in partnership with Qualcomm to deliver an extraordinary experience for our customers. And importantly, that is not only power uh, and power output to do gaming, to create content, to create brilliant videos and photos that we've mentioned, but it's also about battery efficiency. It's about how that phone uses that battery during the day uh, in a really, really efficient way. And what mm -hmm. we see with this Qualcomm chipset is that it absolutely optimizes that to deliver both brilliant performance, but also more than you know, one day usage. I was using the Ultra yesterday. I was doing a whole load of media interviews right across London. Um, and I, w I went to bed tired, but with 51% of my battery left, which I think is a pretty decent result for a, a busy day on the road, uh, on the phone for most of the day. So look, I, I think we're going to see fantastic results when it comes to battery performance alongside every other element of the phone. Mm, I'm excited to put it to the test and we will be talking about it actually on Tuesday's Pat Kenny show. Uh, let's talk about the S23 because the form factor of this phone is lovely as well. Uh, I haven't seen it in person, but the design looks great. Anyone who was familiar with the S22 may know they uh, slightly raised the cutout around the, the camera on the back and that's gone now. So it's more sleek. But talk to me a little bit about the camera inside the S23 itself. Has that improved on last year's model? Yeah, we, we've certainly refined the camera offering across the entire range. Uh, again, it's about both the camera and the processor uh, and how those two things combine together to take fantastic photos. Uh, we, we've always stood out for camera leadership. And I think you know, whether it was the S22 last year or the S23 this year, you're going to see fantastic photographic results, no matter what lighting conditions and whichever of those three products in the range uh, your, your customers happen to be choosing. You're right. What we have done from a design point of view across the range is we removed that notch around the camera, uh, the camera lenses. The camera lenses now just float individually 
There's three of them on each of the core products and actually one furthermore on the ultra product. But the design language, the way those those lenses look on the back of the phone is, is truly unique. I think it's very iconic. It will stand out for your customers when they're using this phone. Uh, and in the crowd, uh, you won't miss the fact that they are using the very latest technology. And indeed, uh, what we're expecting and what we're championing is that all those Irish consumers who have, have been using the S23 and S22 and our previous products um, beforehand, they are the go-to people when it comes to taking photos uh, with their friends, for their friends, or in that social group. And so you can guarantee you're going to be asked, will you send me that? That's going to become the new buzz line uh, around your social groups. When someone with a Samsung is taking a photo, your other friends are going to be jealous and they're going to be saying, hey, can you send that, please? Uh, I want to get mm -hmm. a copy of that picture. And I think we've all experienced that and we're only going to see more of that behavior. Uh, and rightly so. I think we should be championing those Samsung customers because they are going to be taking some fantastic photos. Yeah, the pictures I've taken on the Ultra over the last few days have just been incredible. The detail is there, the low light capabilities is beyond what I've seen in the past. Um, another big feature of the Ultra uh, that I'm very happy about, because I think I was the biggest Samsung Note fan in the country, um, but the S Pen is built in to the Ultra and it's so neat and it's lovely to have it there. Talk to me about why it's been moved from the Note into the Ultra. Well, I think, again, we listen to customers. Yeah, we have a hugely loyal co uh, note customer base uh, right across the world. Uh, and in Ireland, you know, absolutely true as well. Um, that product was was fantastic for us. And what we've done is we've taken the core essence of note. We've taken the note platform, if you will, and we've embedded that into our S series. So so like you say, those customers of ours who are buying you know, our most premium and our flagship offering, the S23 Ultra, have the opportunity to continue to use that unique feature. No other smartphone manufacturer allows you to write on the screen with a pen. And as you say, the pen is embedded neatly into the phone, so you're always carrying it around with you. But it's not just about writing on the screen. It's about using that pen as a remote control as well. You can use it as a remote shutter. So you can put your camera you know, on a tripod way, way in front of you and use the button on the pen to take the photographs. You can actually wave the pen around and, and, and move, the, uh, m move the screen around and, and, and control the phone remotely using... Um, using the motion sensors that are embedded within that pen. So it's an incredibly versatile tool for controlling the phone, as well as, of course, making notes on the screen. And that's where you know, the Note Heritage you know, found, its, found its fame many years ago. And we've sped up that interface. You can write on the screen of this phone as if you are writing on a pad of paper with a pencil. It's incredibly responsive. There's no lag or delay at all. And the phone very cleverly will read your handwriting and immediately turn that into text. So you can scribble away and immediately turn that into text and send that in a WhatsApp or in a message or in an email, uh, super simplistically. So it's a really powerful piece of technology uh, and you know, it's unique to Samsung. We've been doing it for years and we'll continue to keep this as a core offering uh, within our most flagship products. Yeah, another thing that I've accidentally, I suppose, relied on in recent months when I had the S22 uh, was the ability to use the phone a little bit like a computer because I could plug my phone into a monitor, pair up a mouse and a keyboard blue, uh, via Bluetooth and suddenly I was able to get most of my work done. Um, talk to me a little bit about the versatility of these devices and how they're getting more powerful and indeed more versatile. They're, they're incredibly versatile. And I think um, actually if I look at the Irish market, what we've seen in the Irish market is the continued growth of the premium segment of the market. And I think there's a good reason for that, particularly coming out of COVID. We're all working 
in a different way than the way we were only a few years ago. We're now in this officeless environment when it comes to many of us working remotely, working in a hybrid fashion. So you're demanding more from your phone. Uh, and that, as you say, also means that it might be that one minute your phone is you know, helping you take photos and stay socially connected. The next minute you need to fire it up and start writing you know, presentations and or delivering presentations. What we have in our phones, embedded within our phones, is something, as you rightly call out, called DEX mode, D-E-X mode. It stands for desktop experience. And effectively, with a simple cable in the bottom uh, out to an HDMI uh, output, you can do it wirelessly as well. Uh, you can turn the entire screen interface into what effectively looks like a, a computer a home screen. You can have multiple windows. All of your icons are laid out in a more of a desktop environment. And as you say, you can connect a, a mouse and a keyboard and you can now use your phone as if it were a portable PC, even smaller than one of the laptops we, uh, we also have in our range. And, and of course, our computing business has been growing from strength to strength as well off the back of the trend and desire from our customers, not only for really powerful mobile technology in their pocket, but also even more powerful and more versatile computing products from Samsung. Yeah, I want to look briefly at the laptop range because the Book 3 range was unveiled on Wednesday. And one thing that struck me was the interconnectivity between the phone, the Galaxy Buds and the laptops. It seems like this ecosystem is maturing and it's much more intuitive than it would have been maybe even three years ago. You're right. Look, we have a different approach to building a connected um a connected ecosystem um, than, than maybe our other competitors. There are many out there who will insist that in order to be part of their club, you have to buy everything that's branded by them. Now, we don't think that's right. What, what we're doing here is we're deeply uh, working in, in close partnership with Microsoft, with Intel, with our, with our other partners to ensure we can bring incredibly powerful connected computing experiences to our customers. Uh, but in doing so, we're not locking them away from making choices to connect to a wider third party uh, of, of other connected products. So with computing in particular, our Galaxy Book range and the latest Galaxy Book 3 range uh, continues to bring that amazing core offering from Samsung of incredibly powerful performance, and that comes from the Intel chipsets in our products, um, incredibly vivid screens, and that comes from Samsung's leadership when it comes to AMOLED screens, particularly super bright in any lighting condition. And then, of course, it comes from great battery tech to ensure that the computer you have uh, will work for, uh, for all through the day for you. So those are core ingredients that we've taken from our mobile business and we translated them into the computing market because we felt the computing market was a bit dry, a bit stale, and it needed shaking up. Customers were asking for a far more portable, far more useful computing offering than the ones that are currently there. And that's why we've seen such growth in our computing market. And then, as you mentioned, we've worked closely with Microsoft to ensure that your phone and your laptop can synchronize really seamlessly together. Uh, and, that, and that's a unique offering that Windows and Samsung have developed in partnership. So you can start work on your phone, immediately pick that work up on your computer. If you connect the two together very seamlessly, you can actually have one mouse that drags across and the mouse will appear on your phone. You can click an item on your phone and drag it across and drop it onto your desktop. So a very simple interface, but actually incredibly powerful uh, behind the scenes to make that and made that happen super seamlessly. But that's just a small example of some of the experiences that our products when working together uh, can give to our customers. My final question goes back to the phones because over the last few months here on Tech Talk, we've covered the rise in uh, refurbished devices. People, whether it's because of the cost of living crisis, maybe they just don't want to spend big bucks or maybe they're more environmentally aware, are turning more and more to refurbished phones. 
Do you see that as a potential dent to Samsung in terms of sales of new devices or do you think the customer that's interested in the S range will always want the S range and maybe the, it's other customers who will go for refurbished devices? Uh, look, we 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 are uh, we don't see it as a dent at all. I think this is um is a, is a really powerful trend we're seeing in the market, and we were delighted last year uh, when we brought to re- to market our foldable devices to really champion for the first time in Ireland trade-in solutions across every single uh, channel partner and retail outlet across the Irish market. It's really important for a number of reasons. One, that customers who have an older product understand that that product still has value, and actually you can get many many hundreds of euros for a product that. You you might think isn't worth very much. So that old S9 or S10 you may be, may be still using, uh, it might be a great opportunity to bring that back into market, Great, get great value for that phone and use that money to put against a purchase of a new one. So, so we want to encourage trading. And of course, what happens with those trading phones? Well, some of them get recycled, and it's important that they're recycled in, a, in an efficient, an efficient and eco-friendly way. Many get uh, refurbished and put back out to market, allowing others to access uh, Samsung technology, um, whereas otherwise maybe they couldn't have afforded to. We want to continue the life of our products for as long as possible. I think that's a really important point. That's why we build them to last. We build them with recycled materials, but we also ensure that those materials are incredibly re- rigid and robust. You know, the, the screens are made from the very latest um, Gorilla Glass Victus 2, which is incredibly robust product to, to hopefully ensure that when you do drop your phone or if you do drop your phone, uh, you, you limit any damage to that product. Um, and that's because we want them to last. We then ensure that you get the right software updates for as long as long as you want them for. You get security patches to make sure your phone is super secure and that no one from the outside world via the internet can try and attack you or hack you. That's really important. And look, we want customers to upgrade when they feel it's right for them to upgrade. And if that's in two years, that's great. If that's in four Four years, that's also great. We will continue to bring innovation to market that ultimately stimulates and encourages customers uh, to make that decision to upgrade. But it's a consumer choice. And if they want to hold them for longer, that's totally fine. And if they want to bring those products back into market and have them you know, be, be reused as a, as a secondhand phone, that's also fine. You know, we, we understand our our position in the world and from a sustainability point of view uh, is an incredibly important one. As a brand, we take that commitment seriously. We've made some very, very big long-term commitments to be net zero by 2030 uh, for the business I work within. Uh, and that's a long-term journey for us. And we're going to take steps every little step of the way to get closer towards that goal, but absolutely deliver that in line with our objectives of 2030. James Kitto of Samsung, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thank you. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, I'll meet the team at Children's Health Ireland who are working to deliver our first digital native hospital. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, I'm sure you've all heard talk and perhaps controversy surrounding the new children's hospital. It's due to open in late 24 or early 25 and it's going to transform how sick children are treated in this country. It's going to be a digital first hospital which is new for us here in Ireland and I met with the CEO of Children's Health Ireland Eilish Hardiman to find out more. So this is about transforming healthcare. So children, as in under 18 years of old, make up 25% of the population in Ireland. That uh, is 1.6 million children if we take Northern Ireland into account. And that's because within Children's Health Ireland, we provide all of the national specialties and some for Northern Ireland. 
and we also provide all of the uh, acute paediatric services for the eastern seaboard, all of those counties. So our future plan is to transform that and the moving to the children's hospital is a key element of that. Uh, That means we are able to consolidate all of the highly specialist work in one hospital instead of spread between our two and three hospitals at Crumlin, Temple Street and Talla at the moment. But the second big principle of this transformation is that children should be cared for as near and as close to their home as possible and if possible in their home, which means that as part of this transformation, we need to help Uh, patients, parents, families and clinicians in regional units and in the communities to care for the children that can and need to be cared for at home and then also if they need to come to us they come to us um, in Dublin. So part of the hospital it is a digital and a technology advanced hospital beyond anything that we have in the acute hospital system at the moment. Uh, so it's a central pillar as how we designed the hospital to function is very much in a digital uh, way, which means people will understand, you know, maybe electronic healthcare records, so no paper notes. But it's more than that, you know, we will have robots that are delivering, uh, you know, we have um, automated vehicles, you know, we have all of those sort of things that are going on as well. But the big thing for parents and the patients and the families is probably going to be the electronic health care record. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump into that in a second, but I just want to follow on from what you were saying there. Everybody has a hot take on the running of the HSE and everybody has an opinion piece inside their soul that they could write for any of the Sunday newspapers on some of the issues. From my vantage point, one of the things that seems to have happened over the years is that we've tried to put a layer of technology on legacy systems. And that's proved to be difficult in terms of ingraining. How important was it to build that digital vision into the DNA of this new hospital? It was central. So when we did the original business case for this, which would be way back in 2017, actually we built in that we designed it um, in a way to work digitally. We looked at our staffing that would need to support a digital um, hospital and then we identified the core digital systems that would need to be in place. So at a, at a very basic level, you know, you, if you go into any hospital at the moment, like if you go to an outpatient, you'll see the charts been wheeled with lots of medical notes and huge, some of those, and particularly us in paediatrics where we have children with chronic conditions so they can be with us for 18 years, they have huge files. So we, we didn't design in this new hospital a medical records department for example we haven't designed you know waiting areas to hold loads of files we haven't designed rooms to incorporate lots of paper so we're moving to what we call paper light uh, way of working you can never get rid of it altogether but it also means that for our doctors and uh, nurses and health and social care professionals and and administrators management in the system we're moving now to working digitally so instead of having books everything is a lot it's going to be on pads it's going to be on iPads on mobile phones is probably the biggest um, you know enabler in the whole of the system so we need to that's how we've designed it um, that's how we planned it uh, and that's what's uh, transforming now that's what's coming to fruition now as we are now into implementation so where we are now is the the hospital is about 80% built physically now there's still a lot of work to be done Uh, in fitting it out so the development board who are leading on that they're progressing that this year with the equipment and then we are going to spend the next this year next year actually working on the digitization elements of it putting in the the digital systems and we are not 
building on old. We're, bu- we're, brand- we're buying new. Mm-hmm. We're buying new, which is different for the health system. So we are going out with a full electronic healthcare record uh, that uh, that I know is, is, is envious, but it's still the first true full electronic healthcare record in the public system to be implemented in Ireland. Some people will be listening to this now going, what does this mean for me? You know, if I go into a hospital with my child, touch wood, it doesn't happen. But if I do, what, how is that going to be different in this new hospital versus what I may have experienced in the hospitals you alluded to earlier on? And how is it going to benefit the care that my child gets. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so we would be starting with, for starter, you have to go to your GP and the GP needs to send um, electronic uh, request for you to actually get an appointment. That will be electronically sent back. We're looking at, can you select what appointment time suits you? So you book it that way. We look at whereby if you need to come to the hospital that your car parking space is actually booked. When you come in, you're actually allotted to a, a, a clinic. You will be able, you don't need to go up there and have a whole load of waiting you'll be called for when you get up there so there's not that inefficiencies of actually waiting when you go in we have this um, point of whereby if you give the data once you only have to give it once and it's used by multiple sources so it avoids that repetition you know when you're seen then we try to deal electronically with your you know communications back to your GP or to your consultant in your local hospital try to deal with that so we're dealing with it electronically um, you could get when you get treated uh, you you have access it's, it's all up on a system you will be able to seal some of your files you know it's a very very different way we use it to educate particularly children you know about their condition um, it, there is a ability then of whatever treatment you have uh, if you go back then let's say if you were you were transferred up from Galway or Cork your clinician, your paediatrician can have access and read what happened with you as opposed to, you know, looking for a discharge letter, even though there will be still a discharge, but they can actually go in and read. So it it, it increases connectivity, it increases access to data sharing uh, by clinicians who need to do it. It involves the uh, parents and, and the children much more in their care and treatment. And it's to help then, particularly with chronic disease management, you know, so that they take more control and ownership of actually the conditions. And then you have ways of actually reporting back you know were you satisfied mm-hmm. so you're able to fill out your 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 questionnaires and so it creates that 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 much more I think much better patient experience uh, and much more control and really central to this is data and how data is actually managed and shared to allow clinicians to make decisions and to allow patients and parents to be informed I know we're going to, later in the show we're going to hear a little bit about how this is going to work from the doctor's point of view but I'm just wondering in terms of data input that that sounds like a lot of information that I'm sure is already being generated in charts but I know myself if I'm at a press briefing I scribble stuff down in a notebook and I might write about 30% of what's in the notebook into the computer how do you ensure that all the vital data is going into the system? Yeah, that that is d- genuinely a challenge, and it's garbage in, garbage out, as mm-hmm. we know. So there is a need, and that's part of our digital transformation. So where we are at the moment is in designing those systems, and in particular, like we are using systems that are are, are, are been implemented in other hospitals. So we do, and as part of our workforce plan, we have identified that we do need different types of roles to what we have now. So while we have, you know, people involved in moving paper, and we need to have different type of people because it's all around data input. 
in data analysis mm-hmm. and the use of data. So we've um, recognised that. Uh, I think it will be a challenge, but you know, there's ways in which the system can be configured to actually help to make that more convenient. But that is a change, and that is something that uh, we have heard other feedback is is if you you really do need to get the staff totally bought into this yeah. because it's a big change and they need to see the benefits they need to see how it is helping them for example plan their work because they know what their schedule is they're able to share it with their colleagues an awful lot easier you know they're able to access something without going to see another part of the hospital you know so those are the type of benefits whereby you have time back where you didn't have before but all of that is changed and we're supremely conscious about needing to actually um, you know support that as much as possible um, and I think you know we're, we're going to have to there is going to be um, uh, we're going to have to mo- monitor and audit what it is that we need mm-hmm. some of these systems are you know set up for you know billing and different uh, systems internationally we need to understand how's it going to work and we're first in Ireland around some of these so that takes a, um, a extra onus on us in our implementation to design it to be as user friendly but at the same time the data still needs to be gathered and it can be uh, to demonstrate how useful it can be to actually maybe save time elsewhere. So is this going to be a custom-built platform? No. Okay. What we tend to do, and we don't tend to, because that's actually what we do. What we tend to do is, is that there may be some element of, um, you ha- when it's first in country, that you have to look at it, you know, because it's different legislation, regulations, mm-hmm. and everything else like that. But when some of these systems are in the best hospitals in the world. So why should we be any different, you know? And so it will challenge us. And uh, sometimes you mightn't switch everything on, but it should be there. And and we mightn't switch everything on on day one. That might be something that may, you know, embed the core essentials and then open them up later when 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 people have settled and have more mm. are familiar with it. So there's different tactics or different strategies you can use to help with that that transformation to, from paper to digital. Mm. Uh, one of the things that always sort of rattles around in my brain since the uh, 14th of May two right. years ago <laughs> is uh, the ransomware attack on the yeah. HSE. And I think we're still feeling the impact of that. I know certain parts of the healthcare system are still recovering. And as much as digital transformation is incredible mm. and it can bring so many positives, um, that is a real concern, I'm sure. Yeah. If you don't have a room where you're printing off all these records and having hard copies, what happens if that were to happen again? Well, that's getting very technical on me, and I'll go on the, f- <laughs> the 14th of May at a quarter to six that's exactly the one, yeah. in the morning when I heard it. Yeah, so it, it is a thing. So um, there is, a, I'm going to ask my colleague actually, but we actually have been really, really strong in our procurement around um, cybersecurity and, and recovery and being able to ensure that we have disaster recovery mm-hmm. and real tactics around that. Now, our colleagues internationally have again learned from this as well. So there's some lessons there that, that we have built into how we are going to procure and implement our our systems and I think as our board is really strong about this one to demonstrate and we do need to demonstrate to the public mm-hmm. how it is that their data is secure and what do we do and, and how do we function as a hospital yeah. in the case of a repeat of that so that's one of the scenarios that has to be built into the design and the implementation of these systems. Mm. Uh, sticking with the theme of communicating with patients and parents I'm sure there will be a job of work to to be done in terms of letting parents know when they come into a hospital and if they see a little robot going by with medicines on the top or whatever it might be. This is all normal. 
Is that something that you're engaging with at the moment? I know you're looking at other platforms around the world. I'm sure you're engaging with doctors here in Ireland and around the world. But are you also getting a litmus test from parents as to what they might be comfortable with? Yeah. Well, actually, in the whole design process, we had a whole family forum and we had the Youth Advisory Council. So we actually have uh, children who uh, are big users of our hospitals and they actually meet with us to, uh, so we call it the Children's Voice and they tell us what's coming on. So they were involved in the design and actually we brought them around the hospital recently and they were saying, oh my God, I remember you know, uh, get to, you know, know, putting into that. So they're seeing it come to life. Having said that, we also, so they still continue with us. We're running the family forum out there. We're now moving now into the operational policy. So there will have to be further engagement with families around how this is going to, because that's how we work Mm -hmm. with that, you know, make sure that they're engaged and involved in future. And then when we get nearer the hospital, we're actually going to do much more communications about this to actually demonstrate the investment. This is truly different to what we have in any of the Irish system here so and it is but it's not different to what's internationally available so it's what the standard is you know in in new investment and this is an investment for the future as I say for one quarter of the population so it actually is a uh, should be seen as that Mm -hmm. so I think we will be doing much more communication externally now that we're at this stage to do it but the intention is getting the hospital next year 2024. Mm We all know with technology, you know, just this week, Samsung brought out the S23. So they're always updating and upgrading the technology that's available. How future proofed will the technology in the hospital be? Well, I think, um, obviously, the, we, the contracts that we enter, we get the latest version. But the reality is then, you know, after time, you're going to have to keep upgrading them. But I would, I don't know, best buzz that, that I get advice from our technical um, colleagues. But I think we're getting the latest as it is. And we have the contracts then, uh, it's entering into contracts that allow you to do upgrades and patches and everything like that. But mm-hmm. obviously, everything has some element of a, of a lifespan. Um, that, but we're hoping that we're well into, our, into the decades before we need to get into that. That, that sort of arrangement. I think the important thing is that um, we won't have everything in on the first day. You know, that's another thing because I think you need to go in and you need to settle it and then we need to build it up. Um, I suppose the other point is uh, we have an opportunity here. I mean, Ireland uh, excels in the technical, you know, technical uh, capability and expertise. We're some of the top you know, um, technical companies in the world, top medical com- medicine companies in the world, pharmaceutical companies in the world. We're really good at even medical technology, you know, all the devices in the world. This hospital is going to afford an opportunity, which is not available uh, maybe uh, enough of, I would say, to really leverage about what can be done. Because sometimes you have to demonstrate what can be done and the benefits to it, and then actually take that for investment. So I've been looking forward to us using this as a, a springboard actually to demonstrate how technology is going to help transform our health system and make it a more sustainable and a, more, a system that has better outcomes for patients but also one that our patients are feeling much more happy and satisfied with. That's Eilish Hardiman, the CEO of Children's Health Ireland, speaking to me a little earlier this week about what the new children's hospital will have to offer. Now, when we come back, we're going to meet a doctor at Temple Street who is also the Chief Medical Information Officer at CHI to find out how this will enhance the medical care and hospital workflows. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Before the break, we heard from the CEO of Children's Health Ireland about the vision for the new children's hospital. But we're now going to hear from a doctor's perspective about how all this change will be beneficial 
in terms of the day-to-day working of those hospitals, as well as his work as the Chief Medical Information Officer at CHI. This is Marcus Hessling. Yeah, um, I, I sometimes compare it with gardening. You know, you can do gardening with the worst possible tools and you can get stuff done. It takes you much longer, the job probably isn't as good and the outcome isn't as good. Whereas if you get appropriate tools that allow you to work efficiently and effectively, it makes all the difference. It also makes an awful lot of difference to the happiness of staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Uh, we have staff from, who've worked all over the world. They come back to Ireland and they go, what's going on here? Yeah? We've seen the future mm-hmm. and the future isn't here. And this is what the difference is now. This, the potential for the future actually happening here. And is the want and the understanding there on the part of the doctors as to that benefit because if you I had the pleasure of going to the Mayo Clinic in Minneapolis a few years ago and I saw what they were doing and it blew my mind and it just makes you imagine things that you couldn't possibly envisage otherwise but if you're someone who hasn't encountered that type of innovation you just think it's always been done this way so why don't we keep doing this way is is the understanding and the hunger there for doctors? I challenge you um, on um, the on that because the understanding is there. Yeah, no, you you you'll remember the times where we talked about internet banking. Mm. We're now talking about banking. Yeah, people, our staff, in the rest of their life, know how digital works. Mm. Then they come to work and they grab a piece of paper. And you know, it's just uh, this week I was spending about 10 minutes looking for a prescription pad in Temple Street, in AD, when, when there's people waiting two, three hours, and you can multiply that by all the staff there. And I, I prefer to talk about clinicians now, rather, because it's doctors, nurses, uh, HSCPs. It doesn't matter. We all use digital, and we're all getting held up in our job by the fact that we haven't got up-to-date tools. And that's where the, the real opportunity is. Mm. And with the vision for the new children's hospital, having it ingrained in for, from the outset into the very foundation of the vision, never mind the physical building, that must be a breath of fresh air because we know before there have been attempts at introducing high-tech solutions on shaky foundations and it just doesn't last, it doesn't work out. Yeah, uh, it's such a breath of fresh air that I left my old job to come over here uh, from the UK because it it was a unique concept um, that really is, um, uh, there isn't another um, project like this anywhere in the world. You know, uh, moving into a new hospital with completely new technology is a, a massive opportunity and a lot of people are attracted by that for, for all the right reasons because it's not just the technology. Technology is a nice thing, but it's what you do with it. And it's all about people. What, what, what does it mean for people? What does it mean for patients? What if you suddenly get access to your own record and can, you, you travel to France and your child gets ill and you have to go to a hospital, God forbid, and there you are. What is it that your child has? And you could try and explain it in, in, in French, uh, whereas in fact, you might have the ability to have it on your phone. This is what they said. Yeah, that's just such a huge potential. That's for, for just an example for families, yeah? for staff, you know, to be able to, to do things on the move quickly in a really challenging environment um, with technology that helps you rather than hinders you. Uh, another big, big um, uh, 
bonus. And thirdly, as an organization, we'll, with all the data we are going to collect, we'll be much more focused on where the real need is, where the real benefits are. Yeah, I love data. Like I love looking at data sets and getting the insights from it. I think it's so beneficial. Talk to me a little bit more about that in terms of identifying trends. So maybe if you're seeing that all of a sudden loads of kids are developing scoliosis or something like that, or perhaps you're noticing that, you know, x-ray times are taking twice as long as they should be, you can then act, I'm sure, much quicker on the back of that data. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the difference between reactive and proactive, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, where you uh, literally you could have live data feeds um, where you identify something is going wrong. What's happening here? And then you can can look at it at detail and try and identify where the problem is, rather than waiting to the point where it's blooming obvious to everybody, yeah. uh, which is often the case in the past. Yeah. So huge opportunities with with the data um, and the analysis of the data. Yeah, I know from speaking to parents over the years that if they ever have to go into the likes of Crumlin Children's Hospital or Temple Street or Tala it could be the worst moment of their lives because something is wrong with their child. And being faced with endless forms and trying to dig out a PPS number or whatever it might be can be 10 times worse for them than it would be on a normal day. This seems to take some of that stress and that, I suppose, burden away from the parents if their child has an e-health record and that data is available to the clinician with the click of a mouse. Yeah, and it comes down to the uh, to the old being asked the same question a hundred times and then when you go through a hospital. Um, it's a simple example. Um, not only should that not happen anymore, but you also will have the opportunity to look it up yourself. What is on my record? Oh, that's actually not correct. I do not have an allergy to penicillin. Uh, and, and you'll be able to, to do something about it, whereas up until now, you wouldn't know necessarily what's on our record. So, so that's just uh, one example for that. What about the fear factor? And I'm kind of laughing as I say this because I am this person. I am WebMD. So I go in and diagnose myself. Uh, What happens when a person has access to their health record and they start Googling and then they're with the GP every five minutes going, well, I had this broken knee when I was five. So obviously something is wrong with me now. Is there a fear factor that it may be overexposure to parents to have or to, to patients to have that data on their phone or their laptop? Is there a fear factor? Probably yes. And and actually, especially the more junior you are, um, the more challenging it is. I personally welcome that challenge because it makes me a better doctor. Yeah, You're telling me, oh, I think I've got this strange condition and I haven't heard of that condition. Then it's something that's been outside my radar. Good on you. Yeah, Challenge me. Uh, makes me better. Mm-hmm. And another thing, we spoke to uh, Martin Curley, formerly of the HSC, a few months ago, and he was talking about the vision for connected health and keeping well people well for longer and we spoke about the likes of the apple watch and the fitbits for example being utilized and people going and with print offs to their doctor saying look this is how many steps i take this is my heart rate and so on can you envisage what's being done with the children's hospital branching out to incorporate things like wearables trackers and so on to keep young people active or identify any issues that could arise during puberty or whatever it might be? 
Yeah, I mean, the, this stuff is happening already. So to take an example, chronic disease, diabetes, yeah, is one of those areas where wearables are all over the place and the pumps and the, uh, the um, devices to measure their blood sugar levels. And that really can, uh, again, identify trends very early. And if you can intervene um, with a positive intervention, that leads to better health outcomes in the future, of course. Yeah? Whereas in the past, it would have been, they would have come to clinic once every six months and they would have had their blood sugar checked then depending on what that was like whereas now we have much more information already to build on that uh, that's just one example especially in the chronic disease management you can see how you can get much healthier outcomes we are obviously a hospital we will we'll see the sicker ones yeah, and the chronic disease ones um, your your point around general health and well-being is a much wider one um, f and probably beyond what we're doing at the moment. Okay. Um, my final question, I think, is this will enable a doctor in Galway or Cork to be able to see a record of a child who's in uh, the children's hospital. I assume that, you know, issues such as software compatibility or speed of connection and all the rest, that they're being thought of as we go along rather than a GP in, in Cork sitting there and realizing they don't have the right software to access a particular file to, to be able to read the EHO. You'll, you'll know um, that part of the problem in all of this is going to be the, the, the contractual obligations that we'll have. So we can't just give access to every GP in the country. It'll be probably more like uh, our uh, colleagues in the, than the, host, in the pediatric departments. Yeah. yeah? Um, and it's coming down to what you pay for. That's just the way it is. Um, and um, it'll be, it'll already be a significant improvement. The wider, longer-term vision, of course, would be not just that they can read it, but that we can exchange information. Now that important information from Cork and Galway can come to us, and we can act on that, and vice versa. Yeah, that's Marcus Hessling, who is a doctor at Temple Street, but also the chief medical information officer at CHI. I am very excited to see this digital hospital in action. Uh, aside from all of the talk around the cost and the location and all the rest. This could be transformative in terms of healthcare in Ireland, particularly for our younger people. And I think it'll get the ball rolling on innovation in other parts of our healthcare system. So we will, of course, bring you any and all of the updates in relation to that. Uh, but that's it for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by GoLoud. You can also search for Tech Talk wherever you get your podcast from and find each interview there. That's it from me this week. I will be back with Pat Kenny on Tuesday's Pat Kenny show uh, where we will talk through the S23 Ultra that we heard about in the first part of this programme. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your long weekend.